Hi, I'm Dana Sanders, and I am one of the leaders here at Canopy, and I'm thrilled to help extend the conversation around finding freedom in the wilderness. This is a series we've been in for some time, tracking the Israelites and seeing what we can learn about what it means to live free. It turns out that when God led his people into the wilderness, he actually gave them a whole new set of rhythms that were specifically designed to help them live free in the wilderness. And these rhythms were things like Sabbath and feast days and Jubilee and tithing and other practices that were reforming them from slaves into free citizens of the kingdom of God. And um, like in a like way, Jesus, before he really began his ministry, he was around 30 years old, we think, uh, when he started his ministry on earth, um, right after his baptism by John the Baptist, Jesus also went into the wilderness. And we're going to look, about, look at that just a little bit today and see what we can learn. It turns out that in that process of Jesus going into the wilderness, he modeled for us some additional rhythms and practices specifically designed to live free in God's kingdom. And there are at least four experiences that his father, the heavenly father, seemed to want Jesus to have when he was in the wilderness. And here they are. First of all, just before he went in the wilderness, he wanted him to be baptized, to declare to the planet whose he was. Second, he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And that number 40 is very significant in throughout scripture. In fact, if you think of um, the 40 days uh, of the ark in the, in the, in the flood uh, with Noah, the 40 years that Moses fled and lived in Midian, uh, the 40 years that Israel wandered in the desert, the 40 days that Jesus remained after he died on the cross and rose again, he was on earth for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And the reason that number 40 is so significant is consistently it is used as a, a signal or a tell that what relates to 40 is a, a way of testing whoever is having the 40 experience and to purify the person or people who are having that 40 experience. So that was the second thing that he wanted for his son. The third thing is he wanted to have Jesus be tested by the devil. He wanted Jesus to see his enemy and come through okay, to know that his father was enough. And that, of course, leads to the fourth thing, which the heavenly father of Jesus wanted Jesus himself to experience a witness to the father, not witness, but witness, where he would be so loved, so beloved, would know it so deeply that that would be sufficient, even more sufficient than anything else he might need. Now, the way he got close to the father to have that experience of with were involved three primary sets of habits. And that's what we're going to talk about today. These habits, these were sustaining practices that he used his body to, to access so that he could somehow um, gain a closer proximity to the father. And these were the three habits. The first one was prayer. He wanted proximity to the father so that Jesus could be empowered to obey everything that his father told him. This kind of anchored and seared on his heart the critical nature of being close to his dad in order to be empowered to be like his dad. Uh, and prayer was instrumental to that. And the second thing was fasting. Uh, Jesus uh, did not eat uh, in that entire 40-day window. And as a result, even when his body was craving things that it wanted to naturally have, he, he deprived himself, chose not to have access to it, and experienced complete dependence on the Father. 
And the third practice or habit that he did in the wilderness was solitude and silence. There's kind of a combo of the two. They always go together. And this was this experience deep in his heart of being the beloved being enough. That that was sufficient for him to know deep in his guts that even if he uh, was all by himself and was completely alone, that he was never lonely, but he experienced solitude with the Father. Now, these spiritual formation habits or disciplines were what Jesus needed to be able to become father-like. It's kind of weird to say it that way because we're so used to the language of we want to become Christ-like. But just notice, we are becoming Christ-like as Christ was becoming father-like. Even when Jesus was leaving this earth and his last great commission, this is what he said in Matthew 28. Uh, I have it here, one second. He said, uh, I said Matthew 28, yes, here it is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want you to notice the very pattern that he's inviting us into was the pattern he modeled in the wilderness. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. First, declaring to the world whose you are. Second, Teach them to obey everything. How do, you, how do you actually teach someone to obey something? They practice it. And they do it with these particular disciplines of prayer, fasting, and silence and solitude. Last week, Josh talked about how one of the most important means by which we can become people of radical justice is to stay as close to Jesus as possible. And he was right. But the question becomes, how exactly do we get close to Jesus? What does that mean? What does close look like? And how do we get there practically? What Jesus did to get close to the Father is the means by which we get close to him. So thus, the same intentions the Father had for Jesus are the same intentions that Jesus has for us too. He wants us to be baptized and declare to the world that we are Jesus' people. He wants us to go through a long extended period of purification and of refining and testing the kind of the metaphorical 40 days. He wants us to see the enemy that we're up against and to test, um, the, experience the testing of the devil, which I'm going to call for the rest of our time together, discomfort. And the, the fourth thing is he wants us to experience a witness with Jesus through these habits that he modeled for us, these disciplines. By the way, these disciplines are how we become disciples. That's why they're called disciplines. They're not something that we want to resist. They're something we want to embrace. And habits are super practical. When you're learning them, though, they're also super uncomfortable. Like playing the piano when you have to use two different hands at the same, doing two different things. It's uncomfortable to learn that until you take them on and they become part of you. Once they become part of you, then it becomes pure freedom to play the piano or to live with a sense of proximity to Jesus. But there's another thing about habits that are really interesting. Most people don't crave the habit part, the practicing of the piano. Most people crave the results that they get when they've mastered the piano. And let me give you a quick example of this. I was once front row at a U2 concert. I've gone to several U2 concerts in my life. I'm a bit of a fan. And in this concert, I've sat in every seat I can think of in most big venues, like way in the back, on the side, all of it. But at this particular show, I was front row. And Bono was like about as close as you are right now, like just right within grasp. And um, the lead singer of the band, Bono, he um, 
he got to the point of the concert where he got to pick someone out of the crowd and bring them on stage. And he's done this in various ways. Sometimes he'll bring uh, a woman up and he'll dance with them, or he'll bring someone up to play a musical instrument and sing along with the band. And this was what the moment was, was he was going to bring somebody up to play guitar with the edge for this particular song. And I was front row and I was caught up in the frenzy. And I, I was like, screaming at the top of the lungs for Bono to pick me to come up on stage in front of thousands of people and play this song with my all-time favorite band. And then all of a sudden, Bono locked eyes with me and he pointed. And it was like right here. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is happening. And then I realized I don't know how to play the guitar, nor do I know how to sing. And I was terrified that I was found out. I was going to become a fraud in front of, I was going to become a fraud. I was going to be discovered as a fraud in front of the entire arena. But by the grace of God, he was pointing at me, but he was pointing at this person. And this person went up on stage and this person crushed it. It was amazing. And the entire time, all I could think of was if I had gone up there, would they have turned the music down? And I, that would have been my saving grace. Or maybe the saving grace would be, I would miraculously be hit with this capacity for music. But the grace was that I didn't get picked. Because if I had been picked, everything would have been revealed. I got to tell you, practically, um, I was so undone about this experience. Um, I, I thought about it for years. In fact, when I was in high school or college and grad school, it came out in another form. Uh, I studied spiritual formation and the spiritual disciplines really a lot in grad school in particular. And in that experience, what happened was I learned a theory, an abstraction about what it meant to follow Jesus, but I hadn't experienced it in my body. And the result was kind of devastating. When I started to realize that even though I knew the right answers, I was still really unkind to people. I had an amazing capacity for judgment and for anger. And um, when things weren't going my way, I would feel defensive. I would need to get my way. I, I would just be a jerk. And I didn't understand how I could know the right answers, but act out like I didn't know anything. Like I, I knew the right answer, but I was failing at life. And then my response over time when I got fed up enough and finally dissatisfied is I started experimenting. I started trying things, I started taking these ideas that I had learned and getting them from my head to my body, not my heart, my body, where I was working them out in real time. And what I discovered was I had an idol. And the idol was, I really didn't want to be uncomfortable. I, comfort was my idol. Comfort was what I wanted to hold up as the most important thing. And I instead chose to discomfort my body as a means to become someone new. These things translated into a daily ritual and they've become the most important things in my life. Prayer, fasting, silence, and solitude. For me, prayer means a morning creed, things, reminders that I want to, I've written down and captured for myself that are kind of a personal prayer that I, I must read to remind myself of the truths that I could live into if I chose it. Things like, um, you are God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you love me. Um, uh, humility and gratitude are my only responses. These are the kinds of things that are in my creed. Reading the Bible every single day. Day. I've even learned how to, um, I'm doing these breathing techniques where I will um, breathe in and out for a long period of time and then hold my breath. And while I'm holding my breath, I get to pray for my friends and my enemies and people. Uh, you're both. I love you people. I pray for you every single day. I didn't used to do that. 
but I slowly started adding these little habits around prayer, and now all of a sudden they become the lifeblood of my existence. And not just prayer, fasting too. I think about uh, what started as kind of an effort around um, food intake uh, with intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating has turned, turned into a spiritual discipline where not only do I, I take some kind of fasting every single day and have for over 500 days now, um, once a month I do a 36-hour fast. And I got, honestly, I used to be terrified of fasting. And I would re- like deeply... Uh, have anxiety about Seek Week and things like that at at Canopy because I didn't know I didn't have the capacity to I didn't think I had the capacity to fast and now what I've discovered is not only have I grown in my capacity but I'm now experiencing in moments when I'm really hungry um, I've 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 wired and mapped that experience to how much I'm desperate to need God and I'm invited into a whole different level of experience of God through fasting, where now fasting is almost like feasting. And then uh, silence and solitude, where normally I have a long history of feeling uh, radical loneliness. And it's it's not lonely anymore. It's I'm experiencing the witness by which Jesus talked about, where God is as close as the air is to my cheeks. I, I can feel him. And uh, there's something about practicing intentional presence that has opened up a whole new existence of life where I'm actually able to obey God's commands. There's other bonuses too. Things like, it sounds might be silly to you, but I voluntarily drink less alcohol. Um, I don't allow or even want a phone in my bed. Um, I, I also began to notice my sin way more than I used to notice it. And I confess it sooner. I, um, I wake up with purpose. I'm not in an existential angst when I wake up. I'm, um, I'm learning to become free, all because I put my body where my mind was, where my ideas were, and I was willing to become uncomfortable in the middle of it. The point is simple. One of the greatest gifts God has given us is the ability to use our bodies to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And friends, the stakes could not be higher. Consider the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. We all know the story. It's that story of the person who had done everything right but was still missing God. He, it's not that he didn't want to follow Jesus. It was that he didn't have the capacity to follow Jesus because he wasn't free yet. Friends, these habits are the things that put yourself in a position where you would leave it all and follow Jesus. I'm so curious what has been revealed for you in these seasons, this time, in COVID, and Black Lives Matter, even what might be, be revealed to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit through this conversation, right where you're at. What are you being invited into? COVID for me was a reveal of anxiety, but what I discovered was COVID didn't cause anxiety. It revealed the anxiety I was already carrying. Black Lives Matter, I'm so tempted to, from a distance, without having to use my body at all, just hit like on an Instagram post, as opposed to actually going to a protest to go after systemic racism, or even if I don't believe that's happening right now, that I'd get exposed to it in such a way that whatever God wanted to educate me with, I would be willing to receive it. But again, what really matters in this moment is right now. How is God speaking to you right now? Could the Holy Spirit be inviting you into something that is unfamiliar, but if you used your body to get there, it would become uncomfortable and radically liberating? The theme of this conversation is about renewal and how do we renew. For some of you, that means 
you have been interrupted after a long period of time and you need to get started again. For others of you, it's more like you've been doing well, but you know there's a, there's a next level, there's a deeper level you want to go and you want to extend it. But for some, it's, it's what you have been doing needs to made, be made absolutely new. It's not working anymore. Maybe it never did. It's worn out and you need a new way forward. And whatever category that's in for you, I just want to invite you to take a minute right now. Open up your hands. Get on your knees. Do whatever you need to do to put your body in a little bit of discomfort and open it up to God's revealing. Ask God to come into your body right now and expose and invite a deeper love, a deeper sense of possibility. I believe that as you do, God will bless you and keep you. His face and grace will shine on you and he will give you peace. So take a minute right now. Sydney will come up in just a second. But open up your heart through your body to whatever God has.